Welcome to Uncovered, the podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton, and on each episode of Uncovered, I'm joined by the National World Reporters, who are working to bring information to light and hold those in power accountable. We reveal the journalistic work that goes into the team's investigations and highlight some important stories we think you need to know about, but have gone uncovered in the wider media. Today, I'm joined by Herrick Cluxton, Data and Investigations Editor with National World, to talk about a story which is drawing a lot of attention at the moment. A woman has been sentenced to 28 months in prison for taking abortion pills while over 30 weeks pregnant during the first COVID lockdown. Hi, Harriet. Hi, Kelly. You were in court for the sentencing, which has come as a shock to many with both pro-choice and anti-abortion groups airing their views on the case. Please explain the circumstances for us. Yeah, so this case involved a woman who we decided not to name, who, as you say, took abortion pills to end her pregnancy during the first coronavirus lockdown in May 2020. And she got those pills from the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, which is a legitimate Mm -hmm. abortion provider. And as emergency COVID legislation meant they could be posted to women in their first 10 weeks of pregnancy to take at home um, following a remote consultation. Previously, women had to go to specialist abortion clinics um, to, to get approved for an abortion but medical leaders have sort of long argued that that makes it difficult for vulnerable or isolated women, for instance, to get legal abortions. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this woman was found by a court in Stoke-on-Trent to have lied to BPAS, and uh, Mm -hmm. they were basically led to believe she was under eight weeks pregnant. She took the abortion pills and then delivered a stillborn fetus that was later estimated to have been between 32 and 34 weeks gestation. And um, the paramedics took the woman to hospital and ultimately the police were notified, although the court did hear that the woman herself had recognised that she needed to talk to the police after she was questioned by medical staff. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about the woman involved. What do we know about her circumstances? So uh, the woman is uh, in her 40s and she's already a mother to multiple children. Now, she had maintained at the time of the abortion that she wasn't absolutely sure that she was pregnant or if she was, how far along she was when she took the pills. Um, And she'd actually Mm -hmm. said that she thought she'd had a miscarriage in late 2019 um, and that she'd even had a negative pregnancy test after that. However, the prosecutor said that her internet search history demonstrated she clearly knew that she was pregnant and that she was past the 24-week legal limit for abortions, um, for abortions that don't have complications, as uh, she'd been searching for some time about how to hide a pregnant stomach, for instance, or how to cause a miscarriage. So she she had been uh, in a relationship with a man who was later confirmed to be the father of the baby, but this had come Mm -hmm. to an end at the start of the coronavirus lockdown. Um, you know, when everybody was sort of, you know, going into lockdown and working out their circumstances, she moved back into a house with her ex-partner, who was the father of her existing children, so that the children okay. could have contact with both parents during that mm-hmm. lockdown. Um, so what she did is she continued to seek to try and hide the pregnancy from this man, as she did not want him to know that she'd had a sexual relationship with somebody else. Um, okay. Now, actually, both of these men wrote to the court in her support, both of them asking for her not to be jailed. And um, Mm. her lawyer had said that she had been in a dark and difficult place and experiencing emotional turmoil at the time this uh, all went down as she tried to decide what to do. Uh, And that's something that the judge did accept in his sentencing remarks. And he said he Mm. recognised that she'd experienced deep and genuine remorse and depression since the abortion. Um, And sadly, he said that she was plagued by nightmares and flashbacks to seeing her dead child's face ever since. The law she's been prosecuted under is a rather antiquated one. Can you explain the crime she's actually been charged with, please? Yeah, so 
antiquated is a bit actually of an understatement was this law okay. this law in question it was passed in 1861 so that's during mm-hmm. the american civil war um just to put it in context that 70 years before okay. women in the uk got full voting rights for instance and what this law did is it outlawed abortion in all circumstances with a maximum penalty of life in prison so now obviously women in this country they can and do get abortions but that's because the abortion act of 1967 created limited exceptions in which an abortion could be done legally but it never repealed mm-hmm. that law that made it illegal in the first place um mm-hmm. so there is this is quite restrictive actually the two doctors have got to sign off on it and it can only be done in approved premises um and those doctors have also got to be satisfied that the physical or mental health of the woman is at risk and um, mm-hmm. as I said, the legal limit is 24 weeks, except for in cases of uh, fetal abnormality or when the woman's life is at risk. Um, mm-hmm. So what that means is even if a woman does an abortion on herself within 24 weeks, that would still be a criminal matter. Uh, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's fair to say most people in this country probably are unaware of this law. Mm-hmm. There's actually also another law that can be used to prosecute for abortions, uh, which was created in 1929. And that makes it an offence to destroy a viable unborn child by any willful act um, in pregnancies that are at least 28 weeks long. Um, that also carries a maximum penalty of life in prison. And uh, this woman in this case had actually initially been prosecuted under that law before the charge was changed. And yeah, the, these two laws, this is basically why you'll, you'll often see alongside the argument for decriminalising abortion on the one hand, you'll mm-hmm. see others sort of... Um, advocating for recriminalizing instead which is basically saying that um you know instead of just repealing like the previous law maybe we could talk about okay a new law needs to be written by uh, Mm -hmm. modern lawmakers with modern language that's fit for purpose today um and perhaps with more proportionate guidelines on punishments than what are in those antiquated laws yeah, it seems a little bit contradictory that there's certain pieces of legislation from so long ago that can be sort of pulled out of the hat in certain circumstances. Yeah. OK, we're going to take a clip just now. Harriet spoke to Dr. Emma Millen, who is a professor at the University of Durham and researches how the criminal justice system responds if they think a woman has harmed or killed her fetus. Here she talks about the problem with current abortion laws in the UK. The, the problem is that there are current abortion laws in the UK. So it's a medical procedure. Abortion is, it, as with any other medical procedure, something that doctors should be able to regulate for themselves. And yet the criminal law is involved. It, it, it determines how abortion should be able to take place, when abortion should be able to take place. The nature of the law means that women have no right to an abortion. We only have the right to ask a doctor if they will allow us to have an abortion. In 2023, that's an incredibly bizarre and unjust situation for us to be in. Yeah, it doesn't seem very, you know, my body, my choice, the fact that, you know, the doctors have to sign off on the fact that there's, you know, a risk to us. It's not very, it's not really down to choice, is it? No, absolutely. And part of the issue is we we have a, a very old piece of legislation and the meaning and the purpose of that legislation has been lost over time. So when it was first enacted, so the, the first time abortion became a statutory offence was actually 1803, and it was amended four times over the 1800s. But when it first came into force, one of the main drivers for it was actually to try and stop women from dying from abortions. So we're talking about a time when abortion would have been incredibly dangerous. There was no such thing as medical abortion. They all would have been surgical. There were no antibiotics. If 
if the woman started to bleed during the procedure, there was almost nothing that could be done to save her, um, other you know, other than hoping that her her she clots herself and she stops bleeding to death. So at that time, you can understand why Parliament thought, well, we probably need to regulate who can and can't provide abortions because they're quite dangerous. Now, there's a whole debate about who they thought was in the right position to do that. It was, of course, men. They didn't think women could make that decision. So there's definitely misogyny laced within the law. But the principles of the law were to protect women from being killed during an abortion. They weren't to criminalise women for making decisions about whether or not they continue a pregnancy. So what do we know about other similar cases that are being prosecuted? Well, the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, um, who who were actually supporting uh, the women in this case, uh, they say there's been several cases of interest that they're essentially they're watching because they believe the prosecutors were seeing this recent case as a source of test before proceeding mm-hmm. with charges in other cases. So we'll wait to see if anything develops there. But um, in terms of mm-hmm. police activity in this area, it has been very difficult to get a firm handle on just how many women are the subjects of police investigations over suspected illegal abortions. And now that's because mm-hmm. uh, these two laws are actually very wide ranging in their scope and they could encompass sort of all sorts of scenarios. So as well as women ending their own pregnancies, uh, people helping arrange underground abortions, people, okay. people selling aborted drugs. Um, even, you know, violent thugs assaulting or murdering pregnant women and causing them to lose their babies are all covered by the same legislation with the same maximum penalties. Mm-hmm. So that just mm-hmm. means it was impossible to tell from public data alone to what extent vulnerable women themselves who aborted their pregnancies were being pursued. Mm-hmm. So we've spent several months, however, building a picture of this using freedom of information requests to police forces in Great Britain. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been now, now been able to establish that between April 2014 and December 2021, at least 36 women were investigated on suspicion of ending their own pregnancy. We can probably add mm-hmm. a 37th to that, as there was a case last year in which a woman in Oxford was prosecuted. However, the police mm-hmm. force that covers Oxford didn't respond to our FOI. And okay. um, I'd also say the true number is likely higher, as nine police forces refused or failed to answer. Um, And then we had West Midlands Police. Uh, They recorded six female suspects, but couldn't tell us whether they were the pregnant women themselves. Um, Not all police forces either could provide data for the full period. Um, And then we also had an issue in that Staffordshire Police had not recorded the case that we just saw in court yesterday. Um, So that raises the question of whether there are other police forces that are failing to keep accurate records. Also, this investigation has thrown up a bit of a question mark about who police perceive to be victims in abortion cases. Mm -hmm. As in 14 of these offences, police made reference to having either the support or lack of support of a victim when it came to bringing Mm. bringing charges. And um, Mm -hmm. one of them, when refusing to provide us with data, made repeated references to the physical and mental health of the victim in order to justify doing so. So who exactly constitutes a victim in in these cases is anyone's guess. It's very difficult to understand how different police forces define these things, obviously. And we've come up against this problem before, haven't we, with other stories where recording and reporting is so different across certain um, jurisdictions, I guess. During the sentencing, Mr. Justice Pepperell described the case as tragic and said the balance struck between a woman's reproductive rights and the rights of her unborn fetus was an emotive issue, but that it was a matter for Parliament and not the courts to determine. It would appear from that statement he tends to agree that... 
it's an issue that needs to be addressed and perhaps the law revisited? Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily say the judge tended to agree with the the fact that Palmer should look at it, or at least that he gave that away. I think he showed some sympathy for the woman's situation mm-hmm. um, insofar as judges can be, you know, sympathetic and not yeah. sort of dispassionate arbitrators. Um, mm-hmm. But he was making the point that if, if prosecutors have decided to bring this case before the court and, you know, if mm-hmm. the woman's pleaded guilty as she did in this case, then it's not for him to moralise over whether that's right or wrong. His job is to apply the law as it stands and hand out a punishment okay. and, you know, obviously, as it stands, what she did was illegal. Um, mm-hmm. However, I would say that, um, as I mentioned before, there was a second case of an illegal abortion brought before a court in Oxford last year, um, mm-hmm. in which the prosecutors ultimately dropped the charges. And initially, the judge in that case had uh, reportedly said that he was flabbergasted to see the case before him. Uh, and according to the Sunday Times, when the case was dropped, the judge rebuked prosecutors and said they'd been misconceived in pursuing the woman and that it would have been a waste of court time. It's interesting, isn't it, how the two judges differ so much? And also how many, you know, how many of these really out of date laws are out there yes. that just need to be like repealed and scrapped and it really beggars b- belief. Dr. Jonathan Lord, an NHS consultant gynaecologist, was present in court to represent the main medical authorities and royal colleges responsible for reproductive health care in the NHS. He and colleagues had written a letter to the court outlining their concerns around a custodial sentence. Tell us about that, please. Yes, this was uh, really quite an interesting part of the case. I think um, it took a lot of the the journalists um, in the press benches by surprise, actually. So Mm. the judge had described it as being unusual to receive a letter from a group of how he described them, eminent professionals. Uh, But he Mm. went on to rebuke them, saying that it had been just as inappropriate to receive a letter from them as it would have been if an anti-abortion group wanting to see a tough punishment had written to him. Um, Now, this group was made up of representatives from the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, the Royal College of Midwives, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health, the Faculty of Public Health, you know, other senior health figures. Um, They'd Mm. written to the judge basically outlining their concerns that a custodial sentence would have a serious impact and deter women who have Mm. late term abortions or who simply lose their pregnancies late term from Mm -hmm. seeking medical aftercare um, for fear that Mm -hmm. they'll be suspected and then handed over to the police, as indeed this woman essentially was by the medical staff caring for her. Mm -hmm. So many of the organisations coming out in support of the woman who has been jailed say that a custodial sentence for ending a pregnancy will never be in the public interest. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that there's pretty much a consensus among medical institutions nowadays about the need to decriminalise abortion by Mm -hmm. uh, repealing these antiquated laws. Um, the British Medical Association, Royal College of GPs, uh, Royal College of Gynecologists, the Royal College of Midwives, they've all joined calls for decriminalisation in recent years. Mm-hmm. That's not to say, of course, they all want to see women getting late-term abortions. It's merely that yeah. they want this framed as a public health issue and a matter for mm-hmm. medical regulation, you know, as doctors are regulated by uh, medical bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that in rare cases where women do act of their own accord to end their pregnancies, that they're not themselves criminalised, which indeed they aren't in many other countries. It's not the woman herself who is is criminalised. And many of those services obviously on the front lines and are experiencing what these people are actually going through themselves. Here's Dr Emma Millen again on her concerns around these types of cases. 
Yeah, I'm really terrified. I'm, I'm terrified for two reasons. One, because, as I say, we've, we've effectively got fetal homicide laws by proxy because we've got these old pieces of legislation that can be interpreted in this way. But the second reason is I'm really worried that somebody's going to jump on one of these cases and say, well, actually, we need to strengthen these laws and we need to put proper fetal homicide laws in place, which would have a far greater sentence. That's got huge detrimental impact on women's rights. So in the US, we can absolutely see that creating fetal homicide laws and arguing that the fetus should be a legal entity that has legal protection the same as you and I do has effectively paved the way for the ending of legal abortion. Because the logical argument is, well, if the fetus is a legal person and should be protected under law, why on earth would a woman be allowed to have an abortion at any point? So this trajectory will will just devastate women's rights. On top of that, it's incredibly dangerous for unborn babies if there are fetal homicide laws in place, because women who think that they might be uh, investigated by the police, so say, for example, a woman who's been using controlled substances, if she's aware that, that the hospital will phone the police if she presents because she's pregnant, what she will do is she won't go to hospital. She will stop herself uh, and she will self-manage her pregnancy. And one of the things we absolutely know is that if women don't seek medical care during pregnancy, that's incredibly dangerous for both her and for her unborn baby. So fetal homicide laws, not only are they incredibly dangerous for women and for women's rights, they are also incredibly dangerous for unborn babies. What we actually need to be doing is we need to be removing this area of criminal law. We need to be accepting that, unfortunately, there are going to be a very small number of cases where women are in crisis and they do things that we don't want them to do. By removing this area of criminal law, we are not condoning that action. But what we are doing is we are understanding that the criminal law just doesn't have a place here and it's going to do more harm than it is good. We need to find ways to support women who are experiencing crisis pregnancies to help them to leave those abusive relationships that are causing and, and magnifying that crisis, to provide them with the financial and social support that they need to be able to do the right thing for themselves and their families. You know, these are not evil women who have gone out and got pregnant because they really want to have a late self-abortion. These are women who are in desperate situations. The best thing we can do is offer them compassion, care and support the criminal law has no place here. Okay, so have we had any response from Downing Street as of yet as to whether this case may be looked at? Well, we did have uh, Caroline Noakes the morning after the sentencing. She's a Conservative MP and the chair of the Women and Equalities Committee. She said that it was now time for Parliament to debate and reconsider these laws, which she described as out of date. Um, but then a short time later, we had a statement from number 10 um, saying it has no plans to change abortion laws or sentencing guidelines. Um, and the prime minister's official spokesman said through the Abortion Act, all women have access to safe abortions on the NHS up to 24 weeks. And we have made changes. So that now includes taking abortion pills at home. We think this approach provides the right balance. Uh, and the spokesman added, we recognise that this is a highly emotive issue. And obviously, we recognise the strength of feeling on all sides. Okay, thanks for joining me today, Harriet. You can find a series of articles around this story as well as video content on nationalworld.com. You will find us on social media at National World. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter.